one. Welcome back to Hoops HD, everybody. I'd say good evening, but it's more of a good afternoon to the two of you, at least. Uh, it is time for our Under the Radar podcast here on Wednesday, January 3rd, recording a little earlier in the day than normal because of all kinds of scheduling issues. But I'm your host, Chad Sherwood. Why, why are you making me get up early? It's four in the afternoon. <laughs> David Griggs over there. Rocco Miller from Bracketeer.org joining us from the beautiful state of Louisiana, getting ready for tomorrow night's uh, big Sunbelt action that we'll, we'll get to in a few minutes here. Yes. Uh, uh, but let's get right into some games, maybe, or maybe not. Um, I thought we were ready to go, and I can't seem to get the screen. Yeah. There it is. Well, well we maybe we'll get oh, into basketball. Just, maybe just, we won't. I mean, you, you know, who knows? Tell you what, Griggs, before we get to that, why don't you define under the radar for everybody? Uh, essentially, something. yeah, the layman's definition it is that it is that it is the 22 regular one bid leagues. There's no rule that says these leagues can't get more than one bid. In fact, there's a few that we think will get more than one this year. But that's what we're referring to. So not the Power Five, which is the Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, SEC and ACC, and not the five other regular multi-bid leagues, which is the Big East, of course, uh, the American, the West Coast, albeit maybe not this year. Uh, the Atlantic 10, and the Mountain West. Correct. The other disqualifiers, anybody that's in the top 25 is yes. not technically under the radar. We discussed them in normally on Monday night. This week it was last night's Hoops HD report. That team, as it's been all season, is James Madison, who Rock was going to yeah. be seeing tomorrow night. We'll discuss them briefly in that regard, at least. But uh, what we'll have to do is go through each of these conferences in alphabetical order, except for having a feature conference. And Rocco, even though you're central time zone i wouldn't say east in the east right now you are normally a west coast guy i thought with with you on here be a good chance to focus in on one of our favorite conferences out west uh and that is the big west conference as our feature feature i know it's one of your favorite leagues and it's got several interesting stories going on this year as well several interesting teams so i thought be a good place to start the conference has gotten underway with conference play with most teams having two games so far uh including Rocco, very interestingly, both Cal State Northridge and UC Irvine out to 2-0 starts and both looking pretty good. Absolutely. I think I think you have to start with Northridge as just one of the big surprise stories, not only in the Big West, but in the country. Uh, Andy Newman with a tremendous pedigree at the Division II level. I believe he went to multiple uh, Final Eights, which is their big uh, you know, measuring stick in Division II. And uh, I think they got all the way to the last four teams last year uh, coming from uh, Cal State San Bernardino. Um, and, you know, for Northridge to hire him, it wasn't um, a slam dunk decision for Andy Newman. You know, Northridge has been down for years and years and years, it seems. Um, but the fact that he took the plunge not only showed that he believed in the Northridge athletic department, but also showed that the athletic department um, believed in committing to their basketball program, which I don't know if they did in some of their previous hires. Um, and that uh, that allowed him to bring some of the guys with him from San Bernardino, as well as really um, build a pretty good roster. He got some D1 transfers as well. And uh, obviously a little shaky start, lost to LeMoyne early, had some, um, you know, what you would expect a first year coach to go through. But man, they've been lights out um, coming into conference play. Uh, of course, getting that big UCLA win. And then last week, going on the road and beating Cal Poly. I think we kind of expected that just because Northridge was coming in so hot. But to go into the pyramid and not only beat Long Beach State, but thoroughly dominate them. Um, that's an extremely good Long Beach State team that's already beaten three power six programs. Um, this Matador team is the story, and I, I, I can't uh, tell you how hot they are right now. 
Um, so they're by far the most impressive. I think with Irvine, um, you know, they're still my pick to probably win the Big West tournament eventually, whether they're first place in regular season or not. They're just built so well defensively, capable of winning three games in a row. Um, and then, you know, I did get to see UC Davis last week in person against UC Santa Barbara. Really impressive win there with Elijah Pepper being lights out, 27 points. Uh, I didn't see this yet this week, but I'm sure he won Big West Player of the Week. Um, and then they thoroughly dominated Cal Poly. So UC Davis had a little bit of a shaky non-conference, but they're starting off 2-0, and and they got some good momentum going. Yeah, uh, the point about Northridge uh, that you made, Rocco, I know you've been sort of big on them for a while, maybe not as big as you are now, but the win at UCLA made everybody sort of sit up and take notice, but the really impressive win was the one that you just mentioned, going to Beach and, and getting that win, and not just getting them but but winning it handily and right now long beach also a member of this conference is is arguably better than ucla so that was even even though they don't have the brand name i was actually more impressed by that uh um, yeah i agree with you yeah yeah and i think i think one of the other keys that i didn't mention is he did get Deshaun allen uh Eikens to come back who was on the previous coaches roster he's played at northridge a couple of years already um uh, so can in, and sometimes in recruiting and in the portal, one of your biggest wins as a new coach is getting that star player to stay. And he's performing like a top five Big West player, you know, according to Ken Palm. So uh, having him and bringing in guys like Keontae Jones and Deontay Bostic, they, they, I mean, they've just got um, a, a lethal set of scores. They had five guys in double figures in that Long Beach win. And um, when you have that many – and the one thing I look at from that game, you know, they had 20 uh, – sorry, they had 30 made baskets. 24 of those were assists. So that just shows you they're running really good stuff where everybody's involved. Uh, defense is getting lost uh, because you don't have that one threat. They have many threats, and that's why I think this team can really go far. Yeah, and if you look at the rest of the conference here, there is uh, obviously, you know, I think there's a drop-off after these two teams. Maybe there's a three-team race really here with this Long Beach team, uh, but it, it kind of disappointing Greg's with teams like UC Santa Barbara this year. We think we spent a little yeah. more out of them. Hawaii got off to a great start, but they've been going the wrong way in the last couple of weeks as well. Yeah, UC Santa Barbara was a team that I thought would be an under-the-radar top 10 team. I don't think we voted them in there since the preseason. They have been a little disappointing. Now, again, with conference play getting underway, they that sort of resets a little bit but they're, they're already off to an 0-2 start. I still like the Eaters. I, I still think they're the best team in here. Yeah. They may not have done the most yet, and they're certainly not the story of the league, but I still really like this UC Irvine team. I, I can't help it. I should probably know better and don't, but I still think this Eaters team can win the league. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. I would say uh, Eaters are the favorite i think long beach is the most athletic and uh they're they're certainly they're, like they probably have the most pro potential whether it's nba or overseas long term um i think obviously northridge is the the scariest team at this point based on coming out and surprising everybody um but i also do think santa barbara at some point is going to get this thing figured out they have way too much um roster wise and experience from last year aj mitchell is probably still the best player in the league I think at some point Santa Barbara will get hot again. That was just a really bad week for them. And yeah. they've got a new format this year in the Big West Conference Tournament. It's now doing a ladder format with only the top eight teams, very similar to what the Ohio Valley Conference has done in past years. Uh, top eight teams, and it's laddered with the top two teams buying into wow. the semis. You really want to finish those top two spots then in the regular season. Yeah. Get, those, get yeah. that double buy. That's a, that's a good call. Because, I mean, the margins, you know, like many leagues, 
the margins in this league are very are very thin. And uh, the travel Thursday, Saturday, plus you have some Hawaii trips mixed in there. And, and a quick quick shout out to Fullerton. They on uh, one day's rest, they they flew out to Hawaii and got the win in overtime. I think I saw a stat that they've won uh, against Hawaii three straight times in overtime. Now it's kind of a funny stat, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, so like Fullerton super well coached, they'll get the most out of their guys. And, um, you know, Riverside's extremely well coached. So I I just think this league is fascinating and deep and the coaches don't really like each other. It's, it's just, I think this is the best big West year, at least at this point going in, um, that I can remember in a long time. Uh, there's the key upcoming games, Irvine's two home games against Fullerton and Davis. Northridge is going to be hosting Hawaii this week. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump through the rest of the leagues here in alphabetical order. We always started off at the America East, uh, mm. where where Griggs, unfortunately, this conference, uh, you know, I mean, Vermont struggled but got a win at Brown this week. And, and you know, but the, the struggled as in fall, fell behind by nearly 20, or was it more than 20? And they, they came back to win. Game, yeah. yeah. And, and you got to give them credit for coming back on the road and getting the win. But I, I, I mean, a, a team that we thought would sort of blow through this and, and be a, you know, formidable round of 64 opponent uh, hasn't looked it in a long time. Now, neither has anyone else. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of disappointed here. And is this Lowell's conference now? It could be. Uh, I mean, Lowell's still waiting for Koulibaly to come back. I mean, and, you know, nobody talks about injuries, so we, yeah. we don't know what his status is. I think that that definitely gives them a chance. I, I think Vermont, uh, John Becker's been through this so many years now. Um, he they, he uses these non-conference games as teaching lessons. You know, obviously they want to win as many as they can, but he wouldn't coach the Brown game the same way he'll coach conference games, I'll tell you that. So um, league play brings a whole different element, and Vermont – you, you guys know this. They're always locked in when conference play starts. They so are, I'm, yeah. I'm expecting nothing less from them. And then, you know, I thought Bryant was playing terrific, but they uh, they ran into a buzzsaw down at Ole Miss on New Year's Eve. So that was a, a little bit of a setback. But no no real shame in that. Just it kind of broke yeah. their momentum a little bit. Yeah, and here we go. Lowell is starting out at New Hampshire. A New Hampshire team that, that, that has had a little bit of yep. life non-conference as well. Uh, Saturday, this conference play starts. Vermont hosting Maine. Those are the... Only four games on the schedule this week. Those are the two key games to pay attention to. Yeah. Uh, Bryant, fascinating here. Uh, third in tempo, 271st in adjusted offense. They move fast and they turn it over. <laughs> they move fast and don't score. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> might, might, might be time to tweak a few things. Yeah. <laughs> over the A-Sun conference, uh, which I'm pulling up here, also a conference that, that is definitely ready to get into conference play, but the Big news out of this conference came from Florida Gulf Coast. We discussed it last night. When we were discussing FAU during the uh, during the Hoops HD report. But uh, but Rocco, this Gulf Coast team, which on December twenty second <laughs> goes and needs overtime to beat non D one Florida Memorial, turns around its next timeout a week later and picks up one of the most stunning wins of the entire season, beating Florida Atlantic. Yeah, I mean, great win for Florida Gulf Coast. Weird game again for Florida Atlantic for, you know, for their sake, kind of remind me their Bryant loss. But um, kudos to Gulf Coast. They got a terrific performance from Zach Anderson, who had 21 points and 10 boards and really led this team out a couple big block shots, a couple steals. Um, And, you know, I remember talking to their coaches in the summer and they were really excited about this team. So I was pretty disappointed. I mean, they're still uh, well under 500 coming into league play. 
Um, but maybe just hitting that sometimes in non-conference, you're trying so hard as a, as a staff and a team to get the right pieces, the right rotations, um, and, you know, and those, a win like that can really kind of, uh, put a huge boost in your sales, especially you're heading right into league play. Um, right. so, so congrats to coach chambers and that team. Um, I also believe Lipscomb had a nice win. Yeah. Pull up Lipscomb. Florida State, even though Florida, Florida State, State. Not, not nearly as impressive, I think, even though it was a road win. But yes, <laughs> go ahead. Well, they were up, they were up big, and Florida State <laughs> yeah. ended on a huge run to almost win, uh, steal the game. Uh, but Lipscomb was up twenty in the second half, and um, I think the good news there is, even though he didn't play, Ogusevich, the preseason ASUN Player of the Year, uh, was pictured warming up. Uh, so I do think they've timed this thing for him to come back right in time for for league play. So. Um, not only did they not have to use him in that game, but they got the the big power six road win. That's really difficult for, you know, any A-Sun team to pull off. So congrats to the Bisons. And, and they might be like a very slight favorite heading into the league play. Yeah, I think I think with league play, I, I think Lipscomb is still my pick here. But yeah, you know, I, I kind yeah. of I've, I'm putting all these weird question marks around F, around Gulf Coast now. I want to see yeah. what they do over the next two or three games to see, like you said, it does a springboard them. They got Jacksonville and North Florida to start conference play this week, whereas uh, Lipscomb is gonna. Interesting road test at Eastern Kentucky team that's been very disappointing. Uh, yeah, and they have. I think that's yeah. their only game on the week. This. For, and, for uh, you know the conference. The, the oh, lineup, at Bellarmine. I'm sorry, at Bellarmine. Yeah. After that, uh, sorry. The, the conference. I mean, the lineup has is is altered and shifted around some. But going back a long time, like it, it felt like this was a league with a clear front runner, whether it was Liberty or Gulf Coast before that, or Mercer before that, and in recent years, Kennesaw State, who was so good. Um, is anybody good this year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if anybody's that level. I, I doubt they are. Uh, but I, I'll say also that, um, you know, Even North East, Florida, the Ospreys had, had had a decent run for a few years. They did. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have to see how it shakes out. It's definitely not anything obvious right now. And we're not going to know at the end of the year either, because even if somebody rolls this conference next, you know, they'll still be skeptical because they would have had a bad non-conference because nobody in the league really had a good non-conference so yeah um but i'll say that austin p is another team to watch i thought they had a really nice december going on the road and winning at southern illinois is a really impressive win they also beat murray state and ohio u and when they uh and their losses they only lost by one point to a really hot wku team and they played memphis pretty tough and then eventually lost by 11 but i think austin p is getting better every game yeah, so that's another team we can look at. They're going to be at Bellarmine and at EKU this week. Um, both of those. Uh, oh, they're, they're two road games, though, so you never know. Yeah. Um, so. Griggs, over in the Big Sky Conference, yeah. where uh, we did get conference play started over the past week, uh, Weber State, very impressive with a blowout win over a Montana team that we talked about last week that we, we kind of like this Montana team heading into this conference play, uh, but Weber State dropped them by 30. Yeah, and Weber, the the win against St. Mary's has lost some of its glitter, and I I think that they have shown to not be as good as we thought they were, but I need to put an asterisk by that. I think we all thought that they were top 40 good, and while they're not that good, they're still, I think, better than anyone else in this league. I I like Eastern Washington's potential, uh, but not as much as I like Weber. I don't like anybody in this league as much as I like Weber, and I think I don't want to get too carried away and say they can run the table, but I do think they can run away from this conference and are 
would be the most dangerous in the round of 64 situation. Yeah, I mean, Eastern Washington, it was impressive what they did also on Thursday night. We had a couple of blowouts in games that we were kind of highlighting last week, but they, they took care yeah. of Portland State, uh, Rocco. And oh, really, that, yeah. Again, the things that surprised me most of those two games were the final scores, the margins of victory for both Weaver and DWU. Yeah, Eastern destroyed both Portland State and Sac State uh, back-to-back, and no, neither of those games were competitive at all. Um, but, you know, I think I, I said something on Twitter last week about it where Eastern Washington, all seven of their losses are to power schools. So even though some of those were bad, ugly losses, really no shame in that. They learned a lot about themselves, got better as as uh, time went on, and they're getting they're playing better and better each game. Uh, right before the Christmas holiday, they played Washington pretty close. They lost by seven. And, um, you know, they just came into league play focused and ready. And that's that's kind of what I'm talking about in some of these earlier leagues is um, coaches and, and the way that they approach conference season and the end of non-conference, everybody's got a little bit of a different mindset. So you can see some big surprises in that first conference week if, if you're not, you know, thinking along that mindset. Now, I think we have to segue into the Big Sky Summit Challenge, which starts yep. <laughs> uh, on this very fine Wednesday and spills into Saturday. Um, so uh, we've got Eastern's hosting South Dakota. I think Montana State hosting Oral Roberts could be the best game of the night. Um, I actually got a chance to talk to Montana State earlier this morning. Um, so that, that it could be a lot of fireworks there. A lot, a lot of recent NCAA tournament bids coming out of those two teams, at least, regardless of how they're doing this year. Uh, so right. I think that's the intriguing thing on that game. And then we were at Oral Roberts on for Saturday's game. Is yeah. you know if we want to circle that one as well. Great game. Uh, Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington's game is going to be at South Dakota and then hosting North Dakota State, so they they kind of got an easier test through this through this challenge. Uh, and the most important thing to remember about this this these games, uh, it is also going to be not only the eighteen games that are on the screen here, it's going to be eighteen women's games as well. There's a scoring system for one point for a home win and one and a half points for a road win. Yeah. If at the end of the I challenge there's it there is a tie between all thirty six games uh, of uh, using the scoring system. They will go to margin of victory for the tiebreaker. If somehow that is a tie again, it is an arm wrestling contest at the final four between the two conference commissioners. This is not a joke. No, that is, is the final tiebreaker. That is literally the trophy. Into the, to the <laughs> that is, that uh, is I, the... I will put all my money on Tom Wishrell, the, uh, the commissioner of the big guy. He is a large man. And, and Tom, <laughs> I know Tom watches this sometimes. So if you're watching, you know, we love yeah. him. Absolutely, but I don't know how we pulled off the. I mean, the, 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 the it's infinitesimally small the chance of actually getting going to that third level type. Well, that's great but if marketing. it happens, it's yeah. amazing. It's great marketing. It'll never come to fruition. It'll never come to that. But it's so these are big time. These are big time wrestling states too. So it's yeah. like it's perfect for the geographical fit. Uh, we're we're getting ready for conference play here in the Big South as as well, Rocco. That will be starting tonight. I don't know. If there's much we could talk about about what happened over this past week, uh, because there really wasn't any surprises in any of the games, and I, I don't think in what's happened. But uh, but but how about the Big South as we do head into conference play starting tonight? Well, I think it's one of the best years I can ever remember for the league as a whole. Um, I, I think there's at least five quality teams, probably at least six, actually, out of the nine. And, um, you know, I think tonight for tonight's game, the big game is uh, Longwood at Winthrop as well as Radford High Point. Those are two big time games to kick us off. Um, and I just think, you know, Longwood's a super big mystery team because they scheduled so soft in almost the entire game, um, the entire non-conference. But they did challenge themselves at Bonnie's and at Dayton. 
and lost both by single digits. They didn't get those wins, but they were clearly competitive. Uh, you know, of course, they almost lost to Delaware State twice, too, but they won both of those, uh, thankfully for the Lancers. And uh, Winthrop, they've played a much more challenging schedule, but outside of the, the Power Six games and the, the one loss to Drexel, which was a, a nail-biter, um, they've handled everybody else. So, so I like Winthrop. I like them. We've talked a lot about High Point. Radford's off to their best start in over 30 years. Um, Is that right? Yeah, that was, I, I, I had a, a tweet about that last week. <laughs> and then um, you've got you've got Asheville, who started super slow, but they've turned it on lately. But they had that recent win over Appalachian State, which was very impressive. Yeah, for them. yeah. Asheville's dangerous despite the slow start. Uh, mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. They're they were a team that we really liked coming into the year, and then at least, well, I know Rocco never kind of stopped following them, but you know they kind of fell off my radar which is sad if you're an under the radar show and they're under the under the radar, <laughs> but, but, but no, they're, they're talented. And they're, I was going to, I'm glad you mentioned that because they're a team that could still win this league. I, I, yeah. as much as I like high point, Asheville's playing really well. Uh, and don't, don't sleep on this Gardner web team either. Uh, only, only two D one wins, but, uh, but, but they, they've been very competitive and they do have a couple a couple nice wins already. Um, lost in, lost in OT to both Yale and Akron on their, on the road. Um, well, Yale was in Canada, but Akron, they just lost on the road in OT. The Gardner-Webb's right there. Uh, the big game, of course, Rocco already mentioned it, is the Winthrop-Longwood game tonight. Of course, Grace, we know what that means. It is yes. time for... <laughs> yes, I was so disappointed that Stalika did not make this the under-the-radar game of the day. <laughs> it is Winwood Cup time, one of our favorite, uh, completely fake rivalries that we make up here at Hoops HD. Yes. Uh, but, great a couple of, but they actually played for the conference championship a few years back. So it's, yeah. it's become oh, it was a epic. Nice rivalry here. Yeah. The, the winner got like, to go. I yeah. I don't think they like each other, Chad. They yeah, don't. They don't. They shouldn't. I mean, uh, but uh, Coastal Athletic Association. Griggs, where we have congrats to the Drexel Dragons. They are your conference leaders. Let's end the season right now. Um, one no with, yeah. that, with that New Year's Day win over Hampton by in dominating fashion, but uh, in all seriousness, uh, th- I think they are up there. But this is a conference with a yeah. lot of teams, also. Uh, it is. I, I like Charleston. I like Wilmington. I, I like what Hoster has been doing. I, I, I mean, they were kind yeah. of a team that again, I sort of fell off of my radar. But in the last week or so, or a couple games, they've been playing really strong at the right time. Um, and Northeastern, I, I, a team that's near and dear to Rocco's heart, kind of playing well in recent weeks after a sort of a really bad start to the year as well. Yeah, and a team like Monmouth even showed some life with their win at West Virginia earlier this year. There is yeah. uh, now, West I, Virginia I think, has shown no life, but uh, uh, until recently. But yeah. but but yeah. there's a completely different roster there at West Virginia now yeah. as well, though. Uh, finally, ready to compete. Yep. Uh, but but Rocco, I, th- I think we've got a fascinating first week of conference play. Here's highlighting with oh, tomorrow yeah. night the Charleston Hofstra game to kick things off. Absolutely, yeah. Between that and the Drexel UNCW game, I mean, those are two big time kind of like the Big South. Big South's got the the two big ones tonight. We'll have the same in the Coastal. Um, yeah, and like you said, uh, David, Northeastern's playing better ball. I think Towson's playing better. Delaware's had a nice non-conference. So this league, um, you know, the last few years, the problem has been there's been only three or four real quality teams and then a monster drop off. I still think yeah. there's that, that drop off when you go from Campbell and below uh, this year. But I, I do think like even Stony Brook and Monmouth will be competitive. Um, there's things I like about both of those two teams. 
Um, so now we, we might get all the way down to like eight or nine deep, which is what this league really needed. Uh, uh, so they've improved since last year for sure. Especially with this monstrous 14 team size, you can't, you can't, yeah. you got 14 teams and then, but you have six or seven bad teams that could kill the league. If you get down to only three or four, it, it, which is what we might have this year, it's, I think it's gonna be a little better. Uh, but Rocco, yep. sticking with you over in Conference USA, uh, yep. we're at another conference that, uh, well, we have the final results now, first of all, on the screen from the WAC's USA Challenge, and it was complete domination by the WAC over this conference by 12-6 margin at the end of the day. Uh, all that being said, you, and you throw in there also La Tech, though, I think may still be the story. Even though they lost the game at Grand Canyon, they, they played really good in that game. Uh, it came up short by only three points. Yeah, that's been the theme of La Tech season. They've had all these big chances and they keep falling just barely short or getting robbed by the officials or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. buzzer, buzzer beaters against them. If you can look at the St. Louis loss, but uh, man, I do think they're really good. And, and ideally for them, um, that that's all going to pay off later. Uh, take their lumps now. And uh, they, they, nobody's blowing them out. So that's, that's a great sign. And, and uh, I don't know whether to make them the favorite or Liberty. Cause I, I do think Liberty's still really strong. I think the problem like Liberty just got absolutely, uh, blown out of the water at Alabama wasn't a competitive game. I think the problem when Liberty plays some of those, um, you know, power six level, uh, we saw it happen against Florida Atlantic, who we can all agree is basically a power six level roster. Um, we, 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 you see that Liberty's uh, kind of slowness and they're less athletic can get really capitalized on, but they're not going to really run into that in conference USA. So I yeah. still think, I still think the system they run and uh, the kind of shots they generate will, They'll, they'll win a lot of games and they probably should still be the favorite. I'll tell you that, 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 that. Yeah, I just want to throw this out there, though, though, because if you told me that I could have one of these two teams and I had to pick them to win a game in March Madness, I'd rather take Louisiana Tech because I, yeah. I think Louisiana Tech can be has a style that can be more competitive against the top tier yeah. team than Liberty does. Well, one of the things right. is right. when you look at the luck, La Tech coming in at three, 333rd, <laughs> which is amazing because who's had less luck than them? <laughs> not many, not many. Yeah. <laughs> and they still uh, have a win, uh, a win over McNeese, which uh, just looks better and better every day. Yeah. Uh, I, I think La Tech is good. We, we've been talking about that. I, I did want to ask about a team that has a bloated record, but that's the only thing that's really good about them. And yeah, it's that one. Western Kentucky. Is this team any good? Because you're like, oh man, 11 and three, and they do have a bit of a brand and they have four wins on the road. But then when you look at who they've played, it's blah. Well, I think they're just going to grow and improve under Coach Lotz being his first year. And yeah. they, they had to schedule a little bit favorable so they could get some wins under their belt. But I do think going on the road to like a Cal Baptist and getting that win, which is not an easy trip from, uh, from Bowling Green, Kentucky to, to Riverside, California. Um, and they go get that win. They hang on and beat Abilene Christian. So they won both of their challenge games. Uh, they also beat that really, you know, that improving Austin P team, even though it was a home game. I, there's just some little things they're doing to, to build confidence with. They're kind of like the Bryant of conference USA. If you look at their, their tempo is crazy sixth fastest and their efficiency is 253 but but the good thing about coach Lutz is they're playing great defense it's a top 100 defense and if you can play top 100 defense in a league like this uh, that gives yeah. you a chance to win three games in three days I, I think we find out a lot about them actually this weekend with their conference opener hosting Liberty so huge, uh, huge yeah. 
That, that is and, the game on this. Well, other than Chicago State UTEP Sunday, that is the game on the schedule here. Yeah, in Western Kentucky under Coach Lutz, uh, Murray and Eastern Kentucky on the schedule. So you like to see that. Austin P too. So some of the old, old rivalries uh, resurfacing some. Uh, okay. Uh, um Griggs, over in the Horizon League, uh, this has been the, the Fort Wayne story, and, and they continued this week with a pair of home wins over NKU and and Detroit Mercy, who is now officially the worst team in Detroit since the Pistons picked up a W the other day. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and again, sort of getting some low-hanging fruit there, although NKU not entirely terrible. I, I, I still believe in the Penguins uh, because I think with my heart and not my head, but I, you know, Fort Wayne, it's hard to say that anyone has looked as good as they have. And and what a great story, a team that's never been to an NCAA tournament. I don't know how long they've been division one, but they were in the summit league before this got close a couple times and they, they really have a shot at at winning this league. In fact, they're, they're the best team in it, I think. They are. You know, Youngstown State did suffer a home loss now, probably to the second or third best team in the league, which is Oakland. I think there is, Rocco, it's kind of, if beyond Fort Wayne, I think it is those two teams, though, Youngstown and Oakland so far. I, 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 think, I, think, I think both Youngstown State and Oakland have the most upside uh, just because Youngstown's style is really tough to, de- to defend. They can get big leads early and bury teams. That's why you see a lot of blowout wins for Youngstown. And I think Oakland with guys like Rocket Watts and Trey Townsend might be the best player in the league talent-wise. Um, they always have a chance to get anybody, even though their record's always going to be poor because they schedule uh, crazy hard schedules every year. But uh, that's going to help them in, in league play. So I like that uh, that thought. And I also just want to give credit to Green Bay, uh, starting 3-1 and one after being one of the worst teams in D1. Uh, Sundance Wicks is just doing a tremendous job. Uh, he got Noah, Noah Reynolds to follow him from Wyoming. And Reynolds had two monster uh, games in both wins last week. So um, Green Bay is just kind of the, they're going to be the spoiler all year. I think they're going to be competitive throughout the uh, the rest of the season. Yeah, here's the upcoming conference schedule. Fort Wayne's games. They're hosting Wright State, and it's uh, it's not going to be until next Wednesday. But they are at Youngstown State next Wednesday in a game that an early game That's to circle here in the conference standings. They've yeah. already won at Oakland, also. So this is their uh, you know they, they win these two games and and. There may not be any catching them just because they've gone through their two toughest games already at yeah. be 6-0 and at that point in time. Uh, Rocco, over in the Ivy League, uh, not into conference play yet, uh, maybe a little more red than the conference would have liked to see this week, although they had a couple of hard tests, including Penn, you know, got a killer trip to Houston and Auburn that they had to go through. Uh, Cornell also suffering a, you know, not really in that game last night at Baylor. I thought they'd at least be a little more competitive than that. Yeah, Baylor's first game in the new arena, that's a tough uh, task to take on mm-hmm. as the road team. Um, but, you know, Cornell, historically, when, they, when they've when they had to play the big teams, um, they can keep, just get out athletic a little bit, if you will, uh, more of a more of a um, pace and space type of team. But they're just, you know, obviously at Cornell, they're not loaded with elite athletes, right? So uh, you go play at Baylor, you can just get out fast. And I think that's what happened last night. However, I think they're a super effective and efficient team. They'll be very much in the mix for the Ivy race, I think. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see them play some of the other Ivy-level teams. Um, their only other losses were Syracuse and George Mason. So, again, pretty pretty much two high majors there. So yeah. they've handled everybody else. 
And they picked up that nice one over, Col- over Colgate over the weekend, who's probably the best team in the Patriot League, although it's probably yep. not quite the Colgate team we've seen in recent years, despite that. Uh, and, and, and let's not forget, Griggs, about Yale. They went across the country to Santa Clara to pick up a win over the weekend. Yeah, Yale also very dangerous. Uh, I don't, I don't know if their profile can can get there because they just didn't. I'm not talking, I'm not talking bubble, but I'm talking, yeah, you know, but could be really competitive in this league and could really uh, keep pace with Princeton. And the question we have to ask, I think Princeton has a path to land inside the bubble, but how many strikes do they get, and how just how good is this league, and how manageable is it? You, you know, going to Cornell, to Yale to Harvard. I mean, it's it's not going to be like the years where it was a two-horse race between Princeton and Penn, where it was seemingly 13-1 and one every year. No, it's yeah. not. Yeah. Princeton, Princeton right now is uh, coming in at 30th in the net, but their strength of resume is really impressive, 15th. Yeah. Um, oh, so they're good. In, oh, they're yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the best thing they can do is if Rutgers can get a little better, that's still falling at the bottom of quad two. They've got Duquesne and Hofstra barely in uh, quad two A. Those actually could go to quad one if if Duquesne and Hofstra play a little better. Uh, they've got three more in quad three. So, again, they've got work to do because they don't have that big, shiny win. They they actually just need those teams to play better, and it's going to be, a you know, just a dominant record, a bloated record. Yeah, uh, so they've got their wins though. So many road wins. They, they've yeah. got their the road games at Cornell and at Yale fairly early in conference season. So, so those are two to definitely circle there. Um, and there's and, enough there to where if they go twelve and two, thirteen and one, I think that's enough. Oh, I think thirteen one. I think thirteen one. This conference that with that with what they did already, I think they're in the NCAA tournament, regardless of what happens at Ivy. Yeah, Madness. I, I'm with you there. Uh, uh, just quick note: as we record this, Yale is up five in the second half at Howard. Um, yeah, in this game, uh, the, you know, a couple games this weekend, including Harvard at Princeton, uh, Columbia at Cornell, coming up on Tuesday, as well as the Yale Brown game. Uh, so we're getting into conference play finally this weekend here in the Ivy League. Actually, it's a little bit early for the Ivy League. They normally yeah, I know. No, start no, a little later the in the year. That they, 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 yeah. they, they're getting going here. Um, Griggs, over the Metro Atlantic, um, well, at least we're into <laughs> conference play is the best thing I can yeah. say about this league. Uh, although, you know, I mean, I don't know. We, we got embarrassed off to the 2-0 start, at, at, and I think we're getting back. At, well, we're getting back into conference play, I think, at this point. Yeah. Um, Iona, still a team to keep an eye on. Canisius is still the team that I think that looks the best on the floor. I mean, you, you know, not much has really happened to, to, for me to change my opinion on that. I know Marist is out to the quick 2-0 start, but I, I don't think I, – I think it will be a very short stay at the top. Um, when I, I just like Iona and Kenesha. I, I, I think Iona sh- finally showed some life with their road win at Harvard over the weekend. And that, that's the one thing that I'd yeah. like to see out of Iona finally picking up doing something non-conference when they really hadn't done anything so far at all. Yeah, and I think, you know, right now the team that's hottest is actually Fairfield. Um, six, <laughs> six wins in a row just completely turned around their season, uh, springboarded by that big win at Yale. And then uh, this week, you know, they come in one and one from what they did earlier. They have the loss to Iona. That will help them in a tiebreaker scenario. But I do think um, getting Marist at home on Sunday, they can get that win. They're right back in the mix for the uh, the race. Yeah, that, and there's there's the other upcoming games here. They are at Siena, then have that Marist home game. Iona's going to be at St. Peter's. Another game worth probably circling here on Friday night. Uh mm. Rocco, over in the Mid-American Conference, this was our feature conference last week. Um, 
you know, we got into conference play at least, and for uh, and I did tweet this out for for about thirty five seconds. Buffalo, <laughs> who came with with a surprising road win at Central Michigan for the first one of the year, was actually in sole possession of first place until about thirty five seconds later. Kent State's win went final over Ball State, uh, but uh, but that was a surprise. I think even though Central Michigan's not that good, that Buffalo actually not only won but won on the road. Uh, Toledo also with a very nice road win at Ohio, though. God, Ohio, oof. That's one of the um, problems with the MAC this year is the bottoms, especially any of uh, the directional Michigan teams plus Buffalo. I mean, it's really just going to come down to who wants it more on a given night because I don't think there's much talent on any of the four teams. Uh, maybe Western Michigan's getting slightly better. Uh-huh. Uh, and Buffalo, uh, credit to Coach Halkovich, Hel- first year, rough year, uh, trying to figure some things out. So I know they're going through, <laughs> going through it. But um, yeah, I, I really think. Akron's the only team with um, some real juice in the league right now with the return of Ali Ali. Um, he had a tr- tremendous game yesterday, 22-point road win at Northern Illinois. Um, heartbreaking one-point loss last Saturday to St. Bonaventure in Cleveland's uh, NBA arena. Um, but, you know, again, these are kinds of games you can learn from. No harm done. Bonnies are a strong A-10 team. And um, I think Akron's the, the clear favorite right now. Yeah, I agree. I like this. They, they will be they will be hosting Bowling Green and then going to Ball State for their next two ga- games here. Toledo, who did also start off with that road win, uh, they're going to be hosting Miami, Ohio, and going to Kent State. Uh, a couple of games to start Kent paying State attention to this next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Griggs over in the MIAC. Um, well, we still haven't got to conference play. We know Howard's losing to Yale as we speak, and uh, yeah. should we keep moving things on? At the edge, yeah. Howard actually picked up that Roadwood at LaSalle over the weekend. Yeah, so. I do like this Howard team. Uh, they played Cincinnati tough. They're playing Yale kind of tough now. I, I know it's kind of hard to ignore Norfolk State. They're sort of the best by a lot in a lot of the metrics. But outside of those two, uh, with, with all due respect to the other six, I, I just haven't seen much. I like I like that NC Central was able to pop Longwood by nine. That was a good sign um, for NC yeah, Central. Yeah, that, that's a good. I I didn't. Yeah. Um, so, well, are, are, right do they have what it takes to keep pace with the other two? Do you think with Howard and Norfolk? Well, yeah, I tell you, we we we, we, fi- we find out to start the season here. They are hosting those two schools in the first yeah. two conference games. Uh, well, there we this, have this it. weekend. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah, we're going to learn a lot about them. So I mean, th- that's their chance to to really announce themselves. Yeah, in the last month, um, those three teams are all performing as top two fifty teams, which you know, for MEAC, that's good. Norfolk, yeah. Norfolk's the only one in the top two hundred. So I guess if you want to go off that, they they come in with a little bit of an edge. But NC Central's played about the same level of, of, of ball as Howard uh, in the last month. So. Yeah. Rock over in the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, you know, we are. We took a little break out of conf- conference play. Uh, well, well, over the weekend, which and it would, which included that big Michigan State Indiana State game, where Indiana State showed us a lot despite the loss. Uh, and then we got back into conference play last night with some, with a few games as well. Yes, we did. I thought uh, I, I watched the Indiana State game intently. It was it was a terrific game for thirty two <laughs> minutes, and then the last eight yeah. minutes they couldn't hit a shot. Yeah, I mean, they inexplicably went from, you know, hitting everything to just not hitting anything. I don't know if it was fatigue or what, but I mean, great. uh, Yeah, great assessment of that game. It was a great game for 32 minutes. That was awesome. I was ready for it to go to the wire uh, because both teams came in so hot. 
Mm-hmm. It was great, great showing for the Valley, uh, regardless of the way it ended, I, I thought. Um, and I think overall in the league, uh, anxious to see what Missouri State does tonight against Northern Iowa, because I do think, you know, with their win at St. Mary's, they're coming in with quite a bit of momentum uh, for this next part of the, the season. They've already had a couple conference games uh, earlier in December. Um, but I also think Southern Illinois is a rock solid, tough team as we, you know, we always knew they could play defense. I think the emergence of Xavier Johnson gives them a chance to compete. And then um, I think Drake's probably maybe, maybe, I don't know, them them and Indiana state are so offensively dangerous. I just think um, Drake defensively is what I'm trying to see, like where they're at there. 85. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a little better than Indiana state. So um, they got to go to Belmont though. And I, you know, I went to Belmont a couple of weeks ago and that's not an easy place to win. They've only lost – there's a stat at Belmont. Uh, you, um, they've only lost they, – they haven't lost more than one home game in a year for like seven straight years. So it's very difficult to win in that building. That will be a great game. Yeah, and I'll throw this out there also. Evansville, we highlighted them last week. I wanted to see how they would play at Cincinnati. They really got dropped at Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah. we didn't expect them to win the game, but – but, you know, we were looking to see what type of life they had and not a good sign. Uh, and they've got to go to Indiana State tonight. So uh, they're going to be angry. Indiana State's going to be angry tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there we go. And then we mentioned Drake is at Belmont over the weekend as as well as in Ho- Drake, Indiana State at Drake next Wednesday. Circle that game. That's one of the, the feature games of the entire conference season here in the Missouri Valley, though. Yeah. Going to be one of the best games in college basketball that day. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, Griggs, Northeast Conference. Uh, again, we're not into conference play yet, and I don't know that there's much we could talk about uh, as far as this leagues go. I mean, they are trying to keep everybody in the top 250, and, uh, and they're trying to – I guess everybody's trying to – they're trying to keep at least somebody in the top 250. <laughs> yeah, play, well uh, – Including Mer- Mary Mack, who was, who was in the top 200 and fell out with their loss to BU. Yeah, Mary Mack, despite the loss to BU, is, is I think shown – the most uh, out of this league. And, you know, even in some losing efforts, they, they've really played well. Fairly Dickinson, you, you know, you got to watch them. I think they were the preseason conference favorites. Um, no, Sacred Heart was actually. Oh, Sacred Heart. Yeah. And where is Sacred Heart? Been? Uh, uh, well, again, and then some, yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes in a league like this, it's just really hard to tell or measure how they are, how good someone is compared to someone else because they're just playing so many road by games. But uh, I, I, based on what I've seen so far, I, I like Miramac. Well, yeah, Miramac take... defensively, I mean, they're just on a whole nother level than anybody else. They're yeah. close to the top 100 on D, and that's going to keep them in every game. And um, that, that 330 national offense uh, just – Right. It keeps combined combined with a slow tempo is <laughs> yeah. keeps everyone in the games. That's and right. the referees took – the game away from Stonehill at Rutgers. I I am not. <laughs> what about the it's one a, uh, Merrimack at Georgetown a few weeks ago? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that one the referees may have actually taken it away. Uh, <laughs> big game this weekend actually. Sacred Heart preseason favorite at Merrimack, who who is the best team on the court so far. Uh, we'll see we'll see what happens there as we do start conference play, uh, beginning Thursday night tomorrow night here in the NEC. Uh, Rocco over in the OVC. Uh, we're early into conference play, and even though Tennessee Mars technically 2-0, I think this has been all about Moorhead State so far. Nice, almost 19-point win at SEMO to start conference play. Yeah, Moorhead State's uh, been the most consistent team, of course, in uh, non-conference play. Their only losses are to uh, 
big time conference uh, power conference teams, Purdue, Penn State, Alabama, and Indiana. Indiana, of course, they almost beat. Um, so you've got a team here with a lot of confidence. Um, they've gone on the road and beat teams like Austin P and Bellarmine and North Alabama, and now obviously SEMO. Um, I, I just think, yeah, in general, it's going to be hard to pick against Moorhead. They, they deserve to be the pick. Um, UT Martin, just based on their roster, and, you know, I've always been high on Ryan Ritter as a coach, what he, what he was doing at Bethune-Cookman when nobody can win at Bethune-Cookman, and just to be able to get this job. He, he did some pretty nice work in the, in the portal, and they go on the road to open conference play. Again, Tennessee State, Tennessee Tech are two regional kind of rivals and, and probably not the hardest buildings to win in, but you're still going on the road, and they dominated both of those games, I thought. And, uh, you know, I, I've got a feeling they're going to hang around and, and be a threat in the OBC tournament. I, I agree. Uh, and again, they, you know, they've had some pretty good efforts against some pretty good power conference teams themselves. Yes. Uh, speaking of those same two teams, Tennessee Tech and Tennessee State, that's who Moorhead hosts this week in a pair of games. So yeah. uh, uh, they're hosting them. I expect Moorhead to be 3-0 and in conference play. Uh, yes. We'll do our show next week, though. And again, I told you guys about Western Illinois. They're off to 1-0 start with a road win. So just, again, keep your eye on Chad uh, Bordreau's boys because they're going to be good. Uh, Griggs, Patriot League, we mentioned this Colgate team uh, as, you know, having that loss to Cornell, still think they're the best team in the conference, but, you know, they're only 5-7 and seven against D1. So this is definitely a step down from what they've been. Uh, in, in they, the yeah, years. they have been a little disappointing. I, I still think that they're a lot better than the rest of the league. Uh, you, you know, nobody else has a record that's better than 5-7 and seven either, other than American, who sort of amassed it against a much weaker schedule. Um, again, nowhere near the bubble, but I think they blow through this league. I'll give a shot, quick shout out to Lehigh. Gets finally got the first D1 win of the year, and it was a road game at Marist, also, who was one of the teams we actually mentioned near the top of the Metro Atlantic. So, yeah, uh, great maybe they uh, they can turn things around as we are going right to conference play. Actually, tonight, uh, we we start off conference play. Uh, yeah. Colgate with their next three games, they're going to be hosting Loyola, they're going to be at Navy, and then they're going to be hosting Lafayette. So. They should be able to get after a three and zero start in conference. Uh, yeah, play. I would think so. I, I don't think there's anybody in this league. In fact, they should, should be able to. They should be able to get to an eighteen zero starting conference. Yeah, play. right. Like, they should, yeah. Story. Huh. Uh, Rocco over in the SoCon. Uh, I think there's a, several teams we can discuss here. As Bucky we're Ball getting ready for conference play, including both Sanford <laughs> and Western Carolina, and maybe keep going out UNC Greensboro. Uh, oh yeah, as, and so forth. E- ETSU too. ETSU, nice road win at East Carolina, which is something awesome. that uh, East Carolina gave Florida Atlantic a heck of a game last night. So, yeah, and I mean um, ETSU hired Brooke Savage from the Steve Forbes uh, tree. Came back over from Wake Forest, but of course was part of that special ETSU team from the COVID shortened year. We always talk about San Diego State and Dayton getting screwed that year. Well, ETSU, I thought, was one of the best stories that year, too. They were. Oh, my God. Yeah. Probably uh, inside the bubble, if you ask me. I I agree. I Yes. Oh, so bad. And and Brooks is well regarded as a young up-and-coming coach. He's been on a lot of those top 30, top 40 rising Head coach has brought in some talented guys, raw guys, JUCO guys. So I think, again, another one of those teams that are just going to keep getting better. Very dangerous at home. Freedom Hall is a very difficult building to win in. They haven't lost at home yet this year, as a matter of fact. So they get a nice little uh, start at Freedom Hall against Mercer tonight. I would expect them to, to find a way to win that game uh, before a big one on the road at Greensboro this Saturday. Yeah, that that is a that's a big game. There's also this other games we could circle here, including a Chattanooga at Samford t- tonight's schedule. Yeah, um, 
And Furman at Chattanooga on Saturday, it's, it's definitely one. I mean, they're, they're in yeah. West Carolina at ETSU next week on Wednesday. That, that there is, uh, This is going to be a fun season, Griggs, now that oh. we are good to conference play starting today. It, it always is. And, and even, uh, even the Citadel's a lot better. I mean, they, the, they went to Notre Dame and won by 20, and Notre Dame turned around yeah. and beat Virginia. So you can't even yeah. just make fun of so Notre Dame. C- Citadel's better than Virginia. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they are. The Citadel-VMI rivalry, and it is a fun one, just may not be the same this year. They might pound VMI pretty hard this year. Yeah. Well, VMI you never know. Be, be, being a rival game, that those are the games you circle for upsets, although VMI is still looking for their first D1 win of the season at this yeah. point. Uh, but uh, over- hosting hosting Western Carolina tonight, kind of a sneaky good opener. For yeah, it is. Griggs, over the Southland Conference, it is all about McNeese, who got the road win that we said that they needed uh, if they – you know, by picking up that win at Michigan, we're not going to see yeah. them against any quality competition again the rest of the season. Uh, right. Um, so the, I think the one question with them is, let's assume they do not lose again until the Southland Championship game with this win at Michigan. Is that enough? Are you asking with, me? I'm asking you and then I'll ask Rocco. Oh, okay. I mean, Rocco's the the selection okay. committee well, Rocco, person. So, so, but, so can you go ahead and um, comment then they'll ask the same question. I about. think it is uh, because I think, the, first of all, doing that, when you look at the profile, the, the win at Michigan and the win at VCU, if you really had to make a case for them, and at that point I would really hope that you would want to, that you could at least do it, I, I, I would like to think that's enough. But I'd be curious what Rocco thinks. Yeah, that would be 30-3 and three overall, a 26-3 and three against 26, D1 teams. Yeah, in games that matter. Yeah, I would say, I would say it, would be, it would be razor thin. Um I would like to think they'd be in. I, I think it'd be very similar to last year's College of Charleston um, scenario if they would have lost the championship, but they ended up winning it um, because their strength of re- record right now, which I, you know, I, I get it. It's only one of four listed uh, metrics, but it's really the only kind of fair one to use as a comparison tool to bigger schools um, is right at 44. And that's pretty much where they draw the line for the cutoff. Um, and so anyway, we'll see how that, materializes over time with with several of the teams they'll be compared against playing way more uh, big games McNeese not playing any as you said um, but assuming they can do all that which is always a huge assumption because league play is a beast I don't know if it is uh, <laughs> well, what, what, what could help them Rocco honestly there's a couple of teams that they've already Michigan, been there are quite quite, quite yeah. now tier three wins also Louisiana and UAP if those two games can move can move up into tier two UAB uh, should get a lot better because uh, yeah. UAB had some guys out and they're they're going to be better later um, so that one I, I can give you but VCU and Michigan I'm really curious about because those are the, the the two top heavy ones and uh, I, I don't know if I see VCU cracking the top 75 but Michigan certainly could get a lot higher than what they are right now um, one of the things that is not going to help, and every committee member has said this, is that they don't like games against non-D1s. And I realize that that's not entirely fair to McNeese, who really tried hard to play whoever they could and, yeah, and couldn't. They did. Um, I, I would like to say, I mean, we, we, we've pointed this out. I, I know some people from the committee. When you say that you factor in attempt to schedule, I know what that means. It, it means the teams that you actually scheduled not playing out as expected and not literally attempting to play teams that just wouldn't play you. But McNeese tried to play a lot of teams that wouldn't play them. A lot of teams. And no one knows that better than Rocco. Uh, and, and there's McNeese. Oh, just one one quick thought on that. Sorry, Chad. Um, 
keep in mind the Murray State team of 2022, who would have been easily in if they lost in their tournament, um, they played three non-Division one teams. It wouldn't have been a problem for them. Not Again, yeah. not apples to apples, but just an example. McNeese this week, they're at Commerce and at Northwestern State. Remember, this is a Texas A&M Commerce team that went to St. Joe's and won a game, but uh, yeah. I don't expect them to give McNeese right. uh, any trouble. Uh, my friends my friends at Corpus Christi are doing a good job, too. They're starting to get better as well. Uh, over in the SWAC, real quick here, Griggs, we've got, uh, I think uh, – Ten, the top 10 schedule, strength of schedule of the entire nation in this conference, or the majority of them at least. Of one, yeah, two, I mean, uh, three, four, or five. Wow. Six of the top 10, 10 strengths of schedule of the nation are in this conference. Uh, but that being said, uh, I think the good news for the SWAC well, are two things. Number one, the fact that uh, non conference plays pretty much over. And number two, I think the other story actually isn't even a score that's on the screen. We gotta give a shot to the Gramblins women's team, who oh who also played oh difficult studies just as their men teams did, <laughs> but won the game by a little bit more than the twelve points that the men's team won their games. <laughs> Do we have that Gramp? Don't oh oh my god, one hundred and fifty nine to eighteen was the final score. Ah, uh, that, that that was not a very pretty showing for for no. for the women's biblical studies team. Yeah. But uh, but we are jumping into conference play here yeah. this this week, so we finally get games that that really will matter in terms of finding our top eight teams for the conference tournament and, and, and them Monday night, the annual tradition, the football game's going on and we're all watching the swack. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not making that up. That's normally how it plays out. We do the show and then we're all watching the swack. <laughs> well, I have to admit with, with, uh, Washington in the finals. Yeah. I will. I will be in the stadium, but I'll have a, I'll have my little swack app on me. So don't worry. <laughs> okay, good, good, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the upcoming games here. Texas Southern Southern's been a pretty good rivalry over the years. Famu Bethune yeah. Cookman's a nice rivalry also on Saturday to get things going in this conference. Um, but let, let's just keep things rolling right along here. We'll yeah. have a little more swag. We can talk next week when we start getting some standings. Um, oh, Rocco, over to the Summit League. We talked about this a little bit in terms of their upcoming games with the Big Sky. Uh, South Dakota State did start things off with with a win, albeit over North Dakota. And, and how about the, the the Tommies after two and zero start as well? Right. Yeah. I like the Tommies. They, I, I think they've been playing pretty consistent ball, you know, especially since the start of December. They're, uh, you know, in those seven outings, they're seven and one. Obviously, two of those are non-D1 games. So we'll say five and one. But the the super impress, impressive performance was Marquette. They took them to the wire, lost by five. Um, and they totally dominated these first two Summit League games, both by over 20 points. Um, they're getting really effective field goal shooting like they did last year, even though they lost their stud to uh, to, to Virginia in the transfer portal. Um, you know, I think Johnny tower is a very underrated coach. Um, and I get that they're only in their third year of D one transition. So they're not going to be able to make the NCAAs, but they are a threat to win the, uh, the, the league regular season and tournament. It's the third year of, of what's going to be a five-year transition because they're going yeah, from D three right. to D one. Uh, although and, and uh, that, my, under, my understanding wow. is, is that I know Bellarmine tried to get, tried to this year, tried to get eligible with a waiver, uh, that I believe the Tommies when they get to that fifth year are going to try to get the NCAA to waive and let them compete but i don't know if the NCAA will or not uh but um uh, the tommies of the Greeks this year they can go undefeated in conference regular season win the conference tournament and the season will be over yeah because they're not Uh, eligible which is frustrating and unfortunate uh for a lot of reasons but it's also amazing the third year of a transition the second and third year are are typically the hardest if, if you follow transitional teams which because we are sick 
individuals. We do follow the transitional teams. And for them to be in their third year, because what happens is you lose all your key players after your first year and you can't replace them because you're on probation. And people don't want to doing kids this in their don't want to play a probational year, team, right? Yeah. For them to be doing this in their third year of a five-year transition is is maybe perhaps outside of Grand Canyon one of the more amazing performances we've ever seen from a transitional team. It's remarkable. Uh, here's the upcoming schedule. We mentioned these games already. South Dakota State, who was our preseason pick to at least get the auto bid, um, they've got the games at Weber State and hosting Montana State. Also, uh, keep looking at Denver here. They actually have the best net of the postseason eligible teams. They're going to be hosting Idaho State and then at Northern Colorado for their two uh, conference challenge games. Um, we spoke about this Denver team a couple times. Is a little bit surprising this year that, you know, a team that four or five years in a row, Greg, that so you and I picked Denver to, to win the conference and they <laughs> finished dead last. Yes. that we even look at them. Okay. Rocco says it will not happen. Uh, let's jump over to the Sun yeah. Belt, though. And Rocco, let me go right, right to you on this. Not necessarily James Madison, but uh, especially their opponent uh, that you're going to be at the game tomorrow night. Uh, uh, you know, they Fun are belt. They are a Louisiana team that, that did lose their opener at Marshall. Yeah. yeah, so here's the thing about Louisiana. They're kind of a classic home court hero team. They played very well at the Cajun Dome. I, I need to double check, but I think they went perfect last year, and they did on their way to the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, all their losses were road games last year. So far, all their losses are away from the Cajun Dome as well. And for James Madison, an undefeated team who's really only had the two major road tests at – uh, Kent State and Michigan State the first week of the season. I think this game will be at that level of uh, challenge because Cajun Dome, I would assume, is going to be rocking. I'm not sure if the students are back. But, uh, again, there's not a lot going on in Lafayette on a Thursday night. Uh, no excuse for a, a cool place like the Cajun Dome to be, not be rocking. I can't wait for and the game. It's going to be an awesome game, I think. That is a good point. Uh, what schools will often do is open up the dorms so – on the night of a showcase game, and this is a showcase game. Not many ranked teams coming in there. I, I hope they're able to pack it out. And the students, Louisiana, it's not a private school. A lot of them are probably a few hours drive away. Get there. It, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and plus, um, just from you know being down here for a week, uh, I've realized that a lot of LSU fans, which they are everywhere, they root for Lafayette in most sports. So you might get some of those casual just people that want to see a good basketball game filing in there. Yeah. The other games to look forward to this week, App State, they've got a pair of road tests at South Alabama, at Troy, uh, two teams that did pick up openers, wins in their conference openers also. So, uh, you know, if App State wants to try to keep keep, keep pace with JMU, right. they've got to win these two games this week. Yeah, I, I want to observe that, like, right now, all 14 teams are within a game of each other, and we fully expect it to be just this way as we get 10, 12 games into the conference schedule. Uh, Depending, well, <laughs> unless James Madison runs away with this thing. Right, yeah, which I think uh, they will. But, uh, but this okay. league is crazy. It's Briggs, yeah. over in the WAC, we discussed already Grand Canyon's big win over Louisiana Tech, but uh, they are now sitting here at uh, 12-1 and one overall. I'm going to go right to their profile here because uh, this is a heck of a look nice looking profile uh, it is I, um, and I could, you compared to something like that that McNeese profile I like this one way better right now oh I, I the profile that. is way better and I don't want to say the team's way but with all due respect to McNeese I think Grand Canyon is a better team this is a top 40 team like top 40 caliber I yeah. think their profile will indicate it at the end of the year I think it already does 
Uh, I noticed that they're starting to get a little bit more traction in the human polls. I think they cracked the rankings. It might not be until sometime in February, typically, you know, whether it's Murray State or, or whenever a team plays their way into the rankings, it's typically February when they finally get in there. Uh, this is a team that, in my opinion, is a top 40 at large caliber team all day long. I'm with you, Griggs. I'm actually with you. I think, you know, one way to look at it is if we, you put Grand Canyon in the Mountain West, because the Mountain West getting a lot of love and they deserve that. Uh, yeah. Five or six deep quality tournament contenders at least i think if you put grand canyon in that mix they'd be right in in the hunt to win that league oh i, I agree all day yeah. long yeah i think yeah. colorado state and new mexico might be just a notch better but i think you know they've already beat san diego state i think they're at least on par with nevada maybe maybe a little better than nevada and then you know utah state and boise who knows but i, I do think grand canyon like if you look at it that way they should be in. They'd probably be yeah. at least the third best in the Mountain West. They, they they just can't have too many toe stubs. I think they can afford one, maybe even two in regular season play, uh, yeah. but they can't afford well, too many toe stubs if they want to get an at-large bid should something happen in the WAC tournament. There are a couple of the, you know, SFA. Is, it's go, go, you got to so go to SFA. You've got to go to Seattle. You've got to go. There's tough places to go here. Yeah, I mean, there are. It's and it's a deep league. It's a, it's a tough league. It's a tougher league than I think they'll get credit for. Um, but I think you know, I, I think it's going to be a poor man's conference. You know how good Conference USA was last year. We talked about them ad nauseum. Um, I think that could be this year's whack to a degree. Won't be as good as that. But I think you know if you put if you put Tarleton in the CBI, they could definitely win the CBI. If you put Seattle in one of those, they could definitely win it. Um, so I think those two alone are very competitive. Stephen F. Austin has a high ceiling, you know, when they're playing well. UT Arlington has Philip Russell back. Um, you got a lot of, you know, sneaky, really good players um, all over this league and very difficult travel. So, yeah. you know, it's going to be it's not going to be smooth sailing for sure here for GCU. Yeah, they they got to travel just up to Utah. They're not as bad this week uh, at Southern Utah at Utah Tech. Uh, actually, that's that's probably some of the easiest travel that Great Canyon's going to have all season uh, yeah. up to those two schools. But uh, that well, is their schedule. Places, well, the, the tricky places, places to win, 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 but it's just not not yeah. as far to go to. I got put that way. Um, For sure. That completes all the regular conferences. We do have one other team to quickly discuss, and that is Chicago State had a rough week with uh, getting crushed by their. It, by their city rivals, DePaul, and then uh, they hung in with K-State last night but could did. not find a way yeah. to win the game. Right. Um, still uh, like what they're doing as a program. Still they, really happy. They're they get to play against tonight after losing at K-State last night. They get to go to Oklahoma State tonight, so they're, they're a member of the Big 12 for, for a week at yeah. least. And, uh, and then a future conference game against the uh, Fairleigh Dickinson coming up. Dickinson after a road gave it to UTEP this weekend. Uh, that, that's where Chicago State is. Uh, but let's just jump right over to some mythical conferences. How about that? Yeah, uh, here uh, we go. Let's check in. We were just talking about the state of Utah, so so let's let's check in on our oh, the Beehive, Beehive Conference. The Beehive! And look at the Utes out there to a 3-0 start. Like, Still 3-0. Wow. We know that, you, yeah. that that they are done with Beehive games. We know Utah Tech can technically catch them. Uh, they've actually yeah. surpassed them, and they've uh, but before that, we actually have Southern Utah and Utah Valley playing for Big. a. Uh, yeah. uh, that's kind of an also ran game this year, though. Yeah, uh, it is. For, yeah. for this week's uh, Beehive contest. Yeah, but I, I think Utah, again, will. It, it, 
they, they can get to the NCAA tournament if they win this Beehive Conference. I believe they will. Yeah. Uh, uh, Front Range Conference, Colorado State still at the 3-0 mark. We were still waiting for Wyoming to get their first game. Uh, yeah. Let's see if we finally get some games out. We actually have Denver at Northern Denver Colorado. At Northern, get a, yeah. a, another also-ran type of game at the bottom yeah. of this. Uh, that's uh, not only part of not only part of the uh, of of the of the Big Sky Summit League Challenge. It is yeah, also we, a front range game. How about that for a double for this game on Saturday? Yeah, and then we've got the start of that Beehive Front Range Challenge on Saturday. Colorado <laughs> State going to Utah State. Yeah, and Wyoming at Utah State after that. Yeah, yeah. that's a little air. For, uh, <laughs> let's let, let, let's jump over to, to the back range. The back range conference. This is Greg Kane's conference, although they're still a half a game behind New Mexico. Uh, again, yeah. no conference games there yet. But uh, do we get anything? Oh. Big one U- this UTEP week. UTEP and New Mexico State, yeah. Uh, UTEP finally getting their first game in here to see if they can uh, they can start getting back into the thick of things here. Uh, big mm-hmm. road test there for them. Real big. Uh, top range. Uh, yes. Gonzaga uh, made a critical error not scheduling more uh, top range games because this may have been their best chance to make the field. Rough week for Idaho State. They lost two top range <laughs> games this week, 0-2. Yeah. Uh, uh, putting Montana and Montana State both within – Catching distance of Wazoo now, only uh, two games back uh, at this point. Yeah. Uh, but no games this week, Griggs. Nothing. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, let's, let's go to our top 10 list. Yeah. <laughs> All three of us submitted votes. This is our Hoops HD top 10 list. We have a handful of honorable mentions. Again, these are teams that did not quite make the Man, top 10. That's a lot of votes for three people. Wow. Yeah. Weber, we Liberties. Have, we have Northridge. Oh, Sanford. Weber, I was hoping Liberty, cry. Sanford, and Cornell oh. got a little bit of love, did not make the top 10. We did have a tie for ninth place. Buckley Ball has never been ranked. Between okay. UC Irvine and Purdue Fort Wayne. Uh, Fort those Wayne are deserving teams. I, I, I can I can live with that. Those yeah, are Irvine good. Irvine narrowly beat out their conference rival Northridge to make it to the top ten there. So yeah. Uh, uh, at number eight, we have Western West, Carolina. Yeah. Uh, Still having a good year. year. Big big week for them coming up. At number seven, UNC Wilmington out of the Coastal. Uh, yep. Uh, good team out of the Coastal. They had that win at Kentucky. And at number six, Griggs, we have it here. It is Appalachian yes! State. Hot, hot. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to keep them in the top ten all season just so we keep yeah. playing that. That's like uh, John Stalika found that, and we, we've ran with it ever since. We know how <laughs> annoying it is. That's why we keep playing it. Drake go down to five actually, despite not losing. They actually slipped a little bit because I think somebody else passed them here. Well, yeah, uh, I think I think a lot of that had to do with the performances of a few other teams. McNeese moved up my poll pretty big. Yeah, McNeese up to number four now with that huge win at Washington at Michigan. I'm sorry, which I think is what catapulted yeah. them over Drake. At number three, we've got Indiana State. Uh, still ahead of Drake. The trees. By, by, yeah. I think by both of you, not by me. I think I had those two teams reversed uh, because yeah. they did lose, even though they played well against Michigan State. Uh, at number two, it is the Princeton Tigers. And uh, for the second week in a row, sole possession of the of first place. Here it comes. It is Grand Canyon, the Antelopes. Uh, yeah. Between them and Princeton, we, we've got two teams that are, I think are definitely in the at-large field at this point this right. season, at least. And, and for people out there that are like that, that think we're catering to the Lopes, because we do have a quite a few followers from the Lopes that goes back to the team of the people days. We aren't. This is only the second time ever we've had them rank this high, so... You know. Yes, they, and the first the first time they ranked this high was last week. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's pull this down here and go to final thoughts. Rocco, let me start off with you. 
Yeah, I just want to mention uh, perhaps two of the best freshmen in the country. I, I know when you watch uh, or, or maybe follow some of the the CBSs, the ESPNs, the not quite hoops HD level, so the lower level uh, guys out there, <laughs> they put out their freshman of the year list and almost never do they include under the radar guys, which I think is a little silly because um, you could argue the under the radar freshmen that are this good mean more to their team than they'll ever meet, uh, mean to a high major team. But that's that's always debatable. But two guys that are just absolutely crushing it and, and sadly are both hurt right now, hopefully both will come back soon, are Malik Mack from Harvard, who uh, has just been unbelievably tremendous in the games he's been available. He's been out since December 8th, since the Army game. But he uh, in those first uh, eight or nine games, he was MVP five different times. He's gone for games above 30 points, several above 20 points. Stat seat, sheet stuffer. He's already on NBA mock draft boards. Uh, you don't see that very often at an Ivy League school. Um, so hopefully Malik can get back soon. And then the other one I think we've mentioned a few times, he's from my backyard in Oakland, California, playing for the Montana Grizzlies is uh, the one and only Money Williams. And uh, Money, unfortunately, got injured in the UC Davis game back on December 19th. So hopefully he's back soon. I was told it's just an ankle. But he's meant a lot to the Grizz. Uh, in scoring, you know, over 20 a few different times, but also uh, a big-time assist guy, big-time facilitator. Um, also got a couple different MVP awards from from Ken Palm and the like. Um, so, anyway, keep your eye on Money Williams and Malik Mack. Those guys are going to be names around your household for a long time. Absolutely. A good point there. And, uh, Griggs, you want to finish the show off? Uh, yeah, I have nothing really profound, just more of a statement of excitement. It seems like loving the under the radar teams like we do it's always exciting in november to see the season start and get them to to see a lot of these teams get their chances at either quality wins or road by games or playing in these exempt events but i think i'm also every year by the time you get to january equally as excited to see a lot of these conferences start league play a lot of teams that got to play a limited number of home games some an extremely limited number uh start to fill some none yeah some Some none none. uh you know start to fill their arenas the atmospheres at these games the reason that we say we love the northeast it's not it's not like parody we we really love those environments and i'm just excited again doing the show tonight looking at all the big conference games coming up and let's get the students back and it's it, it just is a fan of college basketball, but of college athletics in general, I think the atmosphere at some of these under-the-radar conference games when it's a big game and these little gyms is as electric as it gets. Um, I, I know Rocco goes a lot of places. I'd put I, I'd put the game at Louisiana that you're going to tomorrow up against just about any atmosphere anywhere. Absolutely. Uh, on that note, I do want to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, we'll be back again next week with another Under the Radar. We'll be back later tonight. We'll be recording our Bracket Rundown show. Rocco, I know you won't be there. So I want to give you one quick second here to finish the show off, Rocco, actually. Give me a call for Monday night's football game. Oh, uh, it's going to be the same formula as every other game. Uh, the game will be in the 30s. Washington will find a way to win. Uh, they're the toughest team I've ever seen. Um, they, n- nothing's ever easy. So it's going to be a great close game for everybody else watching. Uh, but I can't wait to see the Huskies get their first national championship since I was nine years old. So. And I know you are a Washington guy, but I'm actually I'm with you. I like Washington a lot in this game, and, and I think I think they do win it, but I think it's going to be a good one. But, it's going to uh, be a great game. I'm here for Rocco Miller. Check him out at Bracketeer.org, at Rocco Miller 8 on X or Twitter, whatever we call it these days. David Griggs. I'm Chad Sherwood. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you again real soon.